Hello, hello, and welcome to this recording of the Divine Downloads podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Overton. And today, actually, this is in the evening. I am delighted to be um, having this really deep, rich conversation with a beautiful fellow nurse, uh, Latora Scott. So Dr. Latora is the owner of Eclipse Health Consultants, LLC, and its affiliate, the nurse doc is Zen. Love that. Merging the art and science of nursing and yoga for holistic lifestyle coaching. Latora is passionate about empowering others to reach their optimal level of physical health and emotional well-being. As a holistic wellness practitioner, Dr. Latora offers clients virtual and in-person holistic health session options. Consultation services include wellness meditations, oh my, therapeutic journaling, private and group yoga classes. Dr. Latour is an experienced nurse speaker, having worked as a contract speaker for Actelion, I hope I'm saying that right, and Gilead Pharmaceuticals as a, as a PAH content expert. You're going to tell me more about that. And with 25 years of uh, clinical experience, Latour is a certified heart failure nurse and holds certificates in palliative care nursing and holistic health coaching. Dr. Latoura, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. I'm so glad to be on. I appreciate you sharing space with me. Thank you. Of course, it is an honor to share the airways with you. And I, this is gonna be so much fun. So this is, this is why I love the universe so much and the beautiful way in which synergy works because you and I met through the beautiful yoga nurse herself, Annette Tursini. Yes. Yes. <laughs> she, um, I literally entered into the Google machine. How do I combine my yoga teaching with nursing? And here up pops the yoga nurse, Annette Tursini. So literally like 10 days later, I fly down to Florida. And this was when her um, yoga nursing was like in its infancy. And so being a part of her group on the old Facebook machine, she um, put the two of us together and, um, and we, we had an amazing conversation and I just, I love your vibe. I love the, the story that you shared with me um, about the freedom baby that we're going to talk about later. Um, and of course, fellow nurse, fellow yogi, we have a lot of similarities. So will you just tell us a little bit about as much or as little as you want, about your journey um, of becoming a nurse. I talked to a lot of nurses, right, who it's their second career or nursing found them. They didn't, they didn't start out wanting to be a nurse. So tell us about your journey. Okay, great. We definitely have a lot in common. That's exactly <laughs> how I found Annette as well was the Google search. How do I blend nursing and yoga? So that's very interesting. Um, my nursing journey actually started um, my junior year, end of my junior year in high school, I had a friend who went to a party and we are assuming, we still don't know that someone put something in her drink. And from the result of that, she ended up with a, what they call a toxic brain injury and was going through like these rehab services. She couldn't talk, she couldn't walk. And we were like 17, 16, 17 years old. So she basically had reverted back to infant stage. Um, they were saying she wasn't, probably wasn't going to ever talk. And the specialty hospital that she needed to go to, because we lived in a little town where they lived in a little town. I, I had moved to a bigger town, Shreveport, which anybody that knows, that's not a big town either, but it's bigger than where they were. <laughs> so the hospital that she needed to go to for therapy was in Shreveport. And her mother was staying still in the smaller town. And so I would go after school every day to visit with her because she was there basically by herself. And the nurses let me start helping them feed her, help me do different therapy things with her because I was her age and her friend. And so the nurses just kind of took me in and kind of showed me the ropes as nurses do. And then one day I walked in to see her and she hadn't talked, she hadn't moved, she hadn't done anything, but I was going in to see her and she turned and looked at me and she said, hey, Latour, and I was sprung. Nursing was my thing from, <laughs> from then on. Oh my God, I'm over here crying and having angel bumps <laughs> all at the same time. Oh my God, what a saint you are. You're an earth angel. I already knew this. Okay, <laughs> carry on. 
<laughs> and so that was that was my introduction to nursing. I loved it. I loved the care of it and just how they were, how gentle they were with her, but how clinical they were. And, you know, they would talk to me and tell me different things because I was interested in it. They would tell me what the medications were. And then her responding to me and one of the nurses was like, you have the gift, <laughs> you have the gift and you might want to pursue that. And so my senior year, I started looking at nursing programs. So, and I've been on that track ever since. Seriously. Sometimes I get the vibe that people are supposed to write books. I think we might've talked about this. <laughs> we did. <laughs> Okay. Well, anyway, that, that would be such a great uh, intro to a book for nurses or people that want to think about being nurses. Or, I mean, to me, that totally embodies Latora, the, the, the art and the science of, of what nurses, who nurses be, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Okay. So my goodness. So you have all of this experience now. Can you tell me, um, what is a PAH content expert? <laughs> Absolutely. I, am, I am not in the know. I do not know what that means, but I'm sure it's awesome. Pulmonary arterial hypertension is what PAH stands oh, for. Oh my Lord. I have been away from the ICU for far too long. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, tell us a little bit about, uh, what you do in that role. Cause that's fascinating. So at the time I was working as a clinical coordinator in the pulmonary hypertension, um, interstitial lung disease clinic. And so I actually took care of those patients. And so how I got to be a content expert is they recruited me to be a nurse speaker. So whenever new drug therapies or um, any data would come out, I would actually teach in services to the nurses. And so the company hired me to go and not just do it in my hospital, but to go and I would hold uh, dinner programs. You know how nurses get invited to dinner programs all the time, right? Um, at a restaurant somewhere, and I would actually talk about the company's drug for pulmonary arterial hypertension. So I would go through the disease state, talk about what it is, um, how it's diagnosed, what the clinical guidelines were, and then at the end, if it was a branded program, I would talk about the drug, and if it wasn't, I would just strictly go through the disease state of, you know, what pulmonary arterial hypertension is, how do we treat it, how do we screen the patients, and then they could ask me questions, well, how do you manage them in your clinic? So that's what um, the content expert is. That's so, and again, I just like to highlight um, talking to so many incredible humans and especially nurses is that what a cool way to leverage your skill set as a nurse, right? Yes. You, you learn skills that you don't necessarily learn. You don't learn to become a proficient speaker in nursing school, right? Really? Um, so that. So that's an incredible. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. Um, so what a great way to, um, again, leverage your nursing acumen, your skills, and, and grow a new skill set, right? Absolutely. And like I said, you, as a nurse, you learn, you know, you learn your clinical skills. And I think a lot of times we don't know that we have marketable skills outside of the bedside until someone kind of brings it to our attention. Because when they are amen. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. So that brings me to my next question because this is, yeah, this is, uh, I, I mean, I believe as a nurse, you can literally write your ticket, like create your, create the position of your dreams, whatever it is, as long as you're willing to do the work and, and, and show up. However, how did you go from, you know, being a nurse and then doing this, um, consultation stuff with this pharmaceutical company to, having your own LLC and this, you, we got to talk about the nurse doc is Zen because that is daddy Mac um, word use of words, obviously. So good. Tell us like, how did you like <laughs> make that pivot? So the LLC part, Eclipse Health Consultants came from, that's actually when I was doing being a nurse consultant. So I actually was still working at a hospital, but I needed my own company because as a hospital employee, employee, you know, you can't contract like that. And so I, de I developed the consulting company so that I could do contracts. So that's how that came about. The nurse doc is in derived from my yoga practice, my own personal practice. Um, I started practicing consistently about, hmm, I guess it's been eight years now, eight years or so. I was going through some 
emotional stuff, bad relationship, that type of thing. And so yoga was my quiet, mindful place. And I started practicing it and I would post some things on Facebook sometimes and just as an accountability for myself and to see my progress and people were asking me questions well okay well can you do this or is there a is there a good pose for having lower back pain that type of thing and so the nurse doc is then developed from people basically asking me questions and then they're like oh you're a nurse too <laughs> so then the medical piece of it would come would come in there and actually the nurse doc is then I was trying to think of a name because um, I wanted to do to offer more yoga therapeutic or restorative practices to um, underserved populations. And so I was trying to think of a good name for it. And I was talking to um, one of my friends and she was like, well, you know, the, the doctor is always in the house. And I was like, okay, the nurse doc is Zen. And then she gifted me the logo as a Christmas present. <laughs> so it was awesome. Shut the front door. That's yeah. incredible. Talk about synergy. Yeah, she actually has a graphic artist created for me. And she was she said, okay, I'm sending you something and this is your Christmas present. So she had it okay. made everything. <laughs> what a dear friend. Yeah, she is. She's awesome. And she's like totally like celebrating you the whole way now too, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And she's like pushing. And the same thing is you have this skill set and you don't know how to market it. Um, cause she, she owns her own business as well. She's an uh, occupational therapist by trade, but she is a chocolatier. So it's a whole story behind that too. <laughs> so. Oh yeah. She's all up in the entrepreneur situation. Oh yeah. An oh, OT yeah. who's a chocolatier. Like this is the, here is the magic, right? Of when people, um, and that's the beautiful thing about yoga practice, right? Latora is that when we are leveraging, flexing, whatever you want to call it, our creativity, then that totally like opens up the channel to our intuition, our higher self, whatever you want to call it, where you have so much more access to what's possible than if you're not um, exercising that muscle. Would, would you agree to that? Oh, I absolutely agree. You, you're, I think you're more open, like you said, because you're in tuned you're in tune to the possibilities or the opportunities around you. Whereas sometimes if you don't quiet the outside noise, you're not in tune. And so you miss it. Okay. So this is one of my juicy questions. It's just coming up is uh, you were having a hard time. I love how yoga is such a beautiful art because everybody comes into the practice for different reasons, right? Like that one person's like, how do I help my low back pain? It sounds like you were called through just wanting to like manage some serious um, rough spots in your life, right? That's exactly what it is. I, it was more of, I needed to, for my own personal health, because my blood pressure was going up and I, you know, I was like, I have got to find a way to quiet myself and to start letting my body heal itself. And I was already practicing um, centering prayer, which is a form of meditation. And so I started with that part, the, the meditative part of yoga first, and then got into the, okay, well, you need to be doing some movement too, because you need to move your body. Okay. So this is the question that I was um, going to ask you, Latora, is what, what has the practice of yoga allowed you to do, become, know, practice, I believe it has allowed me to, I, I believe it kept my sanity for one, <laughs> when I was going through um, my relationship issues, my divorce, and figuring out my life post that. I think it helped me keep my sanity. I think it helped me be a, a more patient and um, mother to my son, because as you can imagine, going through that process was very difficult for him also, but it helped me be able to step back from myself and help him work through it. And so I think that it just, it gave me the mindset of everything's going to be okay. All is well. It's just a rough minute right now. It's not even a rough day. It's just a rough minute. It's going to be okay. And how to breathe through that. And then also allowing him the space to like, you know what? 
he has the right and if he wants to be mad today allow him to have those emotions <laughs> and just let him be like that and then talk to him when he's in a calmer space and go go down with it so it, i think it gave me a mindset of being able to be more focused okay so a couple things i love this first of all it allows you to maintain your sanity which is divine right i mean that's that's amazing it allowed yes. it allows you to I think what you're speaking to, Latour, is it, it gave you presence so that when we're present, right, and we're not back there from the relationship and we're not up there worrying about our son, we're right here, it allows us to speak from, act from this place of presence. And when we're present, we can respond versus react. Yes, absolutely. And I, absolutely. Love what, I love what you said about being a mother um in regard to your son it allows you you said if he's going to be upset if he wants to do that i'm going to allow him to do that like the hardest lesson i have had to learn as a parent is this is that they are on their own soul journey just like we are yes. and yes and it's like i i always get the visual of like putting up the bumpers on a bowling lane. So, you know, when you're a kid, you, you put the little bumpers in there so that yes. the ball will literally just have one place to go. And that's right, hopefully right down the middle and you get a strike, but it's like, we put up the safety nets, if you will. And then yeah. we, we give them the space to express all the emotions, the anger, the rage, the sadness, the joy. I mean, to me, that's like, giving a child the, the gift that keeps giving because you know we don't really we don't really learn how to manage our stress we don't really learn how to handle our big scary emotions right oh i just love that and to not tell him what do you mean you know like what are you mad for you have no reason to be mad you're you know you can't tell him not to feel the way he feels and that was my being present i was like this has nothing to do with you <laughs> he's feeling the way he's feeling and it's his feelings so let him own that you know that is so that is so important okay now i think this is a perfect segue um so you are a woman of color you yes. are a nurse of color uh yes. your son is black right yes. and yep. um one thing i've heard uh, from black men uh is that they they have this is just a couple of the people that i have heard speak say well people don't care so nobody cares about me so like why should i care about what other people say and i've also heard um you know we're told to just like shut up and suck it up so like we, we're not allowed like you're just saying we're not allowed to express our real emotion and so i would love to hear your perspective on um what that's been like for you as his mom and also for him, because it seems like you're giving him incredible tools to be able to identify, express all those things in a super healthy way. Well, I'm, I'm definitely trying, um, but it's, it's been a learning process. I uh, grew up in a very matriarchal family. It's uh, full of women. <laughs> and so having a son was, was new. Uh, for me and just learning the differences, just the male part, the male piece of it. Like, why would you do that? You know, <laughs> it's just like, sure, boys sure. run through the house screaming and run into a wall. Who does that? It's like, <laughs> I love that, it. That's just what they, and his father was like, because he's a boy, you know, that's just kind of what they do. So navigating through that piece when he was younger and allowing him to be a boy. And I think as male children, noticing that even in my family, also not putting that unrealistic masculinity on him saying, you know, he would hurt himself or something. They go, uh, -uh bo big boys don't cry. I'm like, okay, he's three. Let him cry. He's three. Or they'll go, no, little man, don't cry. Men don't cry. I'm like, he's not a man. He's three. Let him cry. I don't think it's going to make him soft. I don't think it's going to make him any less of a man when he gets to be 50 that he hurt himself when he was three, let him cry. So we navigated through that in his younger years where I didn't buy into that. And I think um, in a lot of African-American communities, it's that you have to make the boys tough because you know that the world or you feel the world is going to be tough on them. I did not do that with him intentionally because 
I was like, no, I'm gonna let his personality, first of all, dictate who he is. And he is only three. If he needs to cry, he needs to cry. If he wants to sit in my lap, he's gonna sit in my lap. So that was early on. As he got into teenage years, because we're in the teenage years now, it's more of a, I, I find my, I found myself, okay, you're expressive to me and you're expressive at home, but these are the rules and regulations when you leave. And that was really hard for me because I've always been like, you know, you can express yourself. You're, you're, you're a free thinking person. You're able to express yourself, but I had to have a conversation with him. You are a big boy because he's, you know, 17, almost six feet tall. If he's not six feet already, he's a big boy. I was like, you are a large black boy and you look like a grown man. People don't know that you're 16 or 17 years old. So you, if you're upset and you get upset out in public, you can't get mad and like throw your arms around in the air because people look at it as aggression. So that was a, those were hard conversations that I had to have with him. He was like, what do you mean? I was like, I mean, you need to learn to control yourself or having the, the conversations with him. You don't ever leave out of a store without a receipt ever. I don't care if you bought a stick of gum, ask for a receipt. And he was like, but why am I just going? I said, I don't care. Because if you ever get stopped and they ask you, what did you purchase in the store? You need to be able to show it to them. And those were hard conversations that I had with him, but I felt I had to have them with him for his survival. And I talked to a lot of other African-American moms. And I think it's almost universal, the, the things that we tell our children, our, our male children. You're riding in the car. As soon as you get in the car, take your wallet out of your back pocket, put it either on the dashboard or in the cup holder. So if you get pulled over, it's there and you don't have to reach for it. You don't take your hands off the steering wheel for anything. You say, officer, you can get it. It's right here. Or do you want me to reach it? You need to tell me, reach for it. You don't reach for anything. And every African-American mother that I know that has an African-American male son tells them the same thing. When they first start driving, it's so much anxiety as to, are they going to come home? And so you have to tell them you have to control yourself, number one, control your emotions in public. If you're mad or upset or you can't be play fighting, none of that stuff, you can't do that in having the conversation about the, if you get stopped, this is what you do. It's yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. Can I call my mother? Those, those are the only things you say. <laughs> yes, sir, no, no, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. May I call my mother? That's it. Spoken by a very wise woman, if I might add. Well, thank you. <laughs> Whoa, I just, when I hear these um, experiences, I just, it, it's like, it's like the, in one minute I'm sobbing and the other minute I'm just so freaking pissed off. Like I could understand uh, both as a mother and as a boy becoming a man, like seriously, it, it's like your cage. It's like your, whatever you do is going to be wrong. I mean, um, like how do you, how does, how does, like how, what's his response to all that? I mean, as a 17 year old boy, um, I mean, you know, there, as a teenager, there's rebellion and he's like, well, my friends and, and we have to have that conversation sometimes too, you know, especially if he has a, he, which he does, he has friends that are not boys of color and we have to have that hard conversation. I was like, I understand that, but society looks at them differently. And so I start having the conversations with him early enough to where he's just like, I know before I leave out the house, I need to recite to you what I'm going to do if I get stopped. He knew that going in when he was driving, but it was still hard to have those conversations with him as he was like eight, nine, 10 years old. And he would be in a store and I would be like, don't touch anything or, or keep your hands in your pocket or stay next to me. And he's like, why? I was like, because we don't want even it to even look like you are taking anything because we don't want that confrontation and having to explain to him when he can see his friends like running through the store or wandering off from their parents. I'm like, stay next to me. And also trying to do it, but not have him fearful of the world or uh, suspicious of the world. And it's just like, 
you try to get that balance of you err on the side of caution, but you don't want to make them fearful or make them think everybody is judging them. But you also, I, I told him, I would feel like I'm doing a disservice as your mother if I don't prepare you for what I know happens. Well, so if I just prepare you to like, everything is fine. The whole world loves you. It's kumbaya. Nothing's going to happen. And then something happens to you. I failed as a mother. Well, from where I'm sitting, I think you kicked some major ass and took names because here's <laughs> why. Like, first of all, in a culture where showing especially emotions of sadness uh, is maybe poo-pooed upon or whatever, like you allowed him to, like you said, I loved it. I'm going to allow his personality to like show the way, guide the way of who he is. And then also uh, being completely upfront and, and frank and honest and and also like would you say like how would you be doing this without the yoga practice <laughs> right it's like it totally helps ground you absolutely even with him he he won't necessarily do ashanas with me but he will do breathing the yogic breathing that if you're if you're upset about something he knows i'm like before you speak if you're not talking directly to me before you speak to anybody, you breathe and think about it. Is it worth what they could respond back to? <laughs> I said, because the only person that you can control or you even have the possibility of controlling, because it's hard to control them too, is yourself. That's the only person you can control. You can't control anybody else. You can only control you. And that's questionable sometimes. <laughs> Man, you are dropping all the mom wisdom tonight, girl. Wow. I bet you he adores the ground you walk on well sometimes <laughs> well okay let's be honest he's 17 and right. but I, but i i i just feel it i can tell <laughs> um okay so this this is such a rich conversation and i really um thank you for sharing what your experience is like being his mom and some of his experience and let's talk about this wild journey that you've been on since you were in the womb um and, and talk about this incredible so this is the reason that annette connected us is because right after the george george floyd incident um annette was sharing some stuff and and she shared this incredible article about you and your mom and so feel free to share as much or as little about it as you want and and like what like what all this stuff that has just happened has maybe brought up for you or like how it all kind of ties in, if that's okay. Yes, it's, it's fine. So the, the freedom baby, baby story that I shared with Annette, it was actually a um, newspaper clipping that um, the, my hometown newspaper, Shreveport, the Shreveport Times did when I was 16 years old. So that was like 1986. And the story is actually a story that I've heard literally my entire life because on my birthday, even after I moved out the house, my mom would call me and recant the story to me. And so on my birthday, when I lived with her, that was the first thing she did before she said, happy birthday. She would tell me the story and then she would say, and you are my freedom, baby. Happy birthday. <laughs> so the story is, my mom was eight months pregnant with me, and this was during the, it was 1970, I was born in 1970, so it was April 1970, and it was during the time when they were still doing civil rights marches and still having civil liberties, and people was like, in the 70s, like, yeah, especially in small towns in the South. So we're from a little town in Louisiana, and they were actually protesting for job equality and some shady things were going on with voting registration that type of thing and so the men had protested so my father and some of the other men had protested i think the day before or two days before and they were all arrested and they were all in jail and so the women mobilized and decided that they were going to march in their place and also march for them to be released. And so my mom, with her pregnant self, <laughs> she's eight months pregnant. My aunt, my grandmother, uh, 
all the women and some of the children because the, they didn't have anybody to leave the children with so they took the children down there so some of my older cousins tell me the story too they left them in the car with the windows rolled down that's when you could do that with kids without being arrested <laughs> so they left them in the car and they're marching and as they're marching the police come and they tell them to disperse and the women are like not until you free our men we're not going anywhere and so they turn the hose on them the water hoses and then they also let the police dogs out and my mom is nine months pregnant and so my grandmother pushes her to she's trying to shield her to keep her from getting hit number one with the water hose and then also to keep her from the police dogs so my grandmother gets attacked by police dog my mom is on the ground my other aunts are trying to surround her and then they all get arrested so everybody gets arrested all the women get arrested now mind you the children are in the car <laughs> so i think maybe two of the ladies didn't get arrested and so they were able to get the children but my mom and my grandmother and my aunts they're all thrown in jail my mom goes into labor because she's hit the ground because the water hose hit her she's hit the ground so she starts going into early labor they call for the jailer and they're like, she's in labor. Um, you know, we have to get her medical attention. We don't want her to lose this baby. And they basically told my grandmother that was their problem. They were not letting her out. You shouldn't have been marching. So my grandmother asked again, they still said no, they wouldn't let her out. My grandmother's bleeding by the way, cause the dogs, they wouldn't let her out either. They wouldn't bring in um, medical care. And so my grandmother and the ladies decided they were gonna just do a prayer vigil. And they prayed over my mother and prayed over her belly, which means they prayed over me. And my grandmother tells, my grandmother's side of the story, which she has passed on now. She says, I, you know, she prayed and she's like, I know you have something great for her or great for this baby. Cause I don't know if they knew if I was her and she's not gonna lose this baby. We absolutely refuse. She is not gonna lose this baby. Um, and my mom's labor stopped and she didn't lose me because I'm here talking to you. <laughs> and it's, it was more, it was, it was deep and it was more meaningful. I can't say more meaningful, but it had more depth to it for my mom because my mom had actually lost a pregnancy prior to me. And so losing another one right after that would, I think would have been very devastating. So that's the freedom baby story <laughs> in a nutshell. Oh my Lord, I'm over here crying. Good grief. Okay. Okay. So I didn't even, I didn't even realize or know the part of the story where she went into labor. So how, how, how soon after they released your mom, Latori, were you born? I was, I'm sorry. I, I had the only, she had me to term. So I, she, um, th that was in April. I was supposed to be born in May. She was eight months pregnant. She, I was full term. She had no other problems after that. Wow. Seriously, like um, all the women in your family, like you mentioned earlier in the broadcast, like y'all are some strong ass women up in here. <laughs> so sometimes too much though. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it sounds like you have this way of I think that yoga, you know, it, it like brings you centered, it it brings you grounded, and um, we talked a little bit about this before when we spoke last time, Latora. You know, this, like, I can't even imagine um, being witness to any of the things that you're describing, whether being you in utero, your mother, your father, like, freaking, you just want your damn civil liberties, people, come on. And, and to have all the thrown into that, we talked about how has that um, changed or impressed your, your ability, your right to vote? So for me, it has impressed my right to vote because a lot of times I get from the African-American community that considers themselves woke, which is a whole nother discussion for another time, is why are you voting? Why are you wasting your time? The country doesn't care about us. The government doesn't care. It's a waste of time. Don't you know about the, um, you know, that that you have the your vote doesn't really even count because they have the you know the voter i can't think of the word now i'm going crazy electoral votes so why are you wasting your time and my answer is always how i honor my ancestors is by voting i said there's no way on earth i would ever not vote knowing 
what my mother, my grandmother, my aunts, my father went through for me to be able to vote. So if it's a dog catcher election and I'm eligible to vote, I'm going down there because to me, that's disrespectful. How dare I sit at home and not go and all I got to do is get in my car and drive when they were had fire hoses and police dogs and rocks thrown at them. How dare I sit at home? So to me, it's never a question of whether I'm going to vote or not. That's, that's just never a question for me. And I told I, my son the same thing. I was like, that's how you honor your ancestors. I said, because even if you feel like it doesn't mean anything, whether I feel like it means anything to me or not, it means something to them. Whew. Dropping all the angel bumps tonight. So <laughs> this is for the people in the back row who I, I want you to hear this. Voting is a, is a privilege. It's an honor. And if you think that it doesn't matter, it does matter. Because like you're saying, Latora, it's, it's an homage. It's, it's an honoring, right? It's, yeah. it, it does matter. So Whew. I mean, listen, Snoop Dogg said, I didn't actually hear this myself, but I, I don't know if my son or my sister said, Snoop Dogg said like he'd never voted before and he will be voting. Right. So let's go people. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. This is, you know, the book, I mean, all these things. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so many things. Okay. So you've had a lot of, I would say, very to me they're spiritual happenings in your life listen all the way from in utero to yeah. <laughs> all, all the things so you know this podcast divine downloads this um this whole idea came to me because i literally i literally received what i call like a channeled message meaning a message that was just for me from my higher self spirit source god whatever you want to call it and um and it, and it said, oh, you need to write an Oracle deck called Divine Downloads Channeled Wisdom from Your Soul. And I was like, uh, excuse me? Um, okay, how the hell do I do that? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> to, but, but what it's funny is that when it happened to me, Latora, I was literally working on overcoming a limiting belief that I didn't have a creative bone in my body. Mm -hmm. so here this is how spirit works right and freaking crazy you can't make it up kind of ways and and like it allows you it they whatever you want to say allows you to hear exactly what you need to hear to see exactly what you need to see and to know exactly what you need to know and when we are open and receptive mind body and spirit i feel like once we have that inner knowing that inner seeing um it changes who we be it changes how we put our pants on it changes how we carry ourselves speak um and i think we have a few of these in our lifetime but um is there one that you have had i mean it sounds like you've had a lot of them that you right. want to share with the audience <laughs> like i said the original story of how i became a nurse is one that i usually always share um, cause that was definitely life changing for me, that experience. Um, and one other nursing experience I can share is that it was almost like a full circle of, yes, this is where you're supposed to be. Yes. This is what you're supposed to be doing. Um, cause it was at a time where I was feeling like, okay, well, you know, maybe I'm not supposed to be a nurse, you know, am I really making an impact? Am I, you know, new nurses because you know sometimes the older nurses eat their young you know we do that <laughs> it's like are you really supposed to be here and i was had came into work i got my assignment and you know that was this is when i was working the floor got my assignment and i'm looking at the names and the name looked familiar but i didn't really pay any attention to it because it just you know i'm in louisiana everybody basically has similar names it's it's fine and i go into the room I'm doing my assessment and I'm talking to this lady and then I look at her and I was like, I can say her name because she's passed on. I was like, Mrs. Vaughn? 
And she was like, yeah. And then I was like, do you remember me? And she looked at me and then she looked at me. She was like, yes, I remember. It was the lady that actually used to take care of me when I was a little girl while my mom was going through graduate school. So I ended up being her nurse and taking care of her in her last phases of life. Like she had taken care of me when I was a little girl. And it was the it was weird. It was it was sad, but it was happy. It was weird. Her family came. It was like a big family reunion. It was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you're a nurse and that you're taking care of her. We were so worried about her being up here alone, but she has you and you're her baby. And it was just, it was like I say, it was sad, but it was so, it was such a blessing to be there with her. And I was there with her. I watched her transition. I stayed with her that whole night. Um even after her family left and I actually, I got to prep her body for them to pick it up and everything. So that was one of those, mm -hmm, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to do. Seriously, you can't make this stuff up. Like what oh, no. are the freaking odds of, of the woman who took care of you for you to be able to, the most precious thing of them all to be able to hold space for somebody as they, you know, leave the physical shell. Yeah. Where she could tell me she wasn't afraid. She's like, I'm not scared. Um, you're going to be here with me. I said, I'm going to stay here all night. I'll be here till whenever, <laughs> you know, sit right here. See, I, I have this belief that everything that happens is like all part of this master plan um and kind of when we know to expect that i think it makes it even richer like people that say oh it was it was a total coincidence or it was an accident like i totally disagree like i think none of it's an accident it's all on purpose it's all prearranged by your highest good all your squad your angels um and and she it seems like she chose that for herself yeah I, th I definitely think so. Oh, okay. That could be in the book too. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So now, um, if people want to, um, bend your ear, work with you, follow you on the socials, tell us all the magic. I'll, I'll, and we'll also put this in the show notes, but how can people connect with you, LaCora? So I'm on Facebook and Instagram as the nurse doc is Zen. So easy to find. Um, I have a website. It's um, the nurse doc is Zen.com. Perfect. Now it seems like the stuff that you do is face to face, but do I have that wrong? Well, I always have had virtual options, but definitely since COVID. So everything I do, I can do virtually as well. Perfect. So if somebody would, uh, wanted to work with you, like take us through like a session with you, what kinds of things would you be supporting them in? So if depends on if it's a, like a wellness console, and then I, we go through a, um, holistic SWOT analysis, similar to what you do with the business, but we do it from your wellness side, figure out what's going on with you and what your goals are. And then we work through, okay, so we all know that. And I, and I always tell my clients, everybody knows how to lose weight. That is not rocket science. We all know you move more than you eat, but it's the how. How am I going to do that? How am I going to incorporate that into my life? And what makes that work for me? And so I work with them so we can like customize it to my life. Because giving someone like a standard, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to eat. Even when I worked at the bedside with my patients, that was one of the things I loved about, about our dietitians. They were very um, personalized. And it was like, why would you give somebody an eating plan of food that they would never in a million years touch? You're setting them up for failure. So working to personalize the, the wellness plan is one thing. Um, I create specialized meditations for people, depending on what's going on with them as far as wellness. And my big thing, I work with a lot of professionals and making, you know how you have like hit exercises for cardio, like the really quick hit exercises. Sure. I create, I create yogi snacks. So little mini yogi snacks that you can incorporate throughout your day. So that you don't tell me you, can, you don't have time for a 30 minute flow. So it's a five minute yogi snack. You can do it 
in your car, you can do it at your when you're taking your lunch. So these little yogi snacks, that's what I do a lot of times for people. Oh my gosh, that makes me think of uh, Scooby Snacks. Yes, <laughs> I love that name, Yogi Snacks. <laughs> you're a genius, lady. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh, I feel like you might be my spirit animal. Yeah. Definitely. I, I vibe with you as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So the question that my spirit wants to ask your spirit is, um, I think this is a beautiful way to like bring our time together to, to close is what would your, uh, true self, higher self, your Latora self now, um, tell your younger self or, or what do you know now that you're so you're so glad that you know that you didn't know before. I think the my true self, my higher self would tell my younger self not to be so worried all the time. <clears throat> when I look back over my years as a child, it, it seemed like I was always worried because I'm empathic. And so I feel and I feel everybody's everything. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you know, if my cousins were in trouble, I was the one crying. If you know, they they were the one getting the spanking, but I'm the one boohooing, like, please don't hurt them, that type of thing. Just taking on everybody's stuff and being so heavy and um, sad and anxious all the time. And then one of the biggest things I learned in my partner that I have now, he's wonderful. He tells me all the time, he said, all will be well. He tells me that if I'm getting frantic, he goes, you know what? All will be well. Everything always works out the way it's supposed to. All will be well. You're okay. <laughs> and just to be able to tell my younger self in the moment of when I would be freaking out about something, just breathe. You're fine. You're safe. You're going to grow up to be awesome. It's good. Everything, everything is great. I think that's what I would tell my younger self. I love that all as well. I think... Well, a couple things. So there's a book called Wimberly Worried, which is fantastic. It's about this little mouse who literally, you know, the crack in the sidewalk, there's a crack in the wall, like mm -hmm. everything, like hypervigilant and hyper. Um, however, which is cool because a lot of us can relate to that. Of course, being um, an empath, being what we would call a clairsentient, you know, we feel, especially I think, no offense to the males, but I think if you're born with a uterus, you just, you just wired you just, to be sensitive and to pick up other people's energy. It's like a blessing and a curse. <laughs> so so uh, it's like our spidey sense that, that other species other than women, I don't think they have it. I, I don't know. I'm only a woman. I'm just saying that it's our spidey sense. And um, it's that, it's that beautiful blessing, right? Because that is what allows us to really hone in and connect with our intuition on such a deep level right right latora and i totally agree yeah and it's interesting um that you talk about the worry because i was also like listen if there was no drama i would create it because i i had this like adrenaline junkie addiction to drama and i didn't even realize that i had that um until i started practicing yoga and what i what i loved the most when i first started practicing yoga was that i could dedicate my practice to the world to a cause to a baby to an to an elder per like to somebody that i that i wanted to send my energy and my love to and that way i didn't have to carry it for them right i mean that was like a game changer for me for sure with the yoga practice Absolutely. Not to, to be able to leave that, I call it mat meditation, just leave all of that on the mat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> leave so, it there so and walk away. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been like a party. It's just like been just such a enriching conversation, historically speaking, culturally speaking, you know, nursing. So I really want to thank you for your awesome Latora and do you have any parting words or anything that you want to share with the listeners before we wrap this up? Well, first I want to just thank you for allowing me to have this space and to be able to share my story. 
And I do agree with you. I think that, especially as nurses, we have lots of stories that we don't share enough of. I'm trying to do better about that. So I, I appreciate having the space and sharing your platform for me to be able to share my story. And I just want to encourage everyone, um, basically the words of my partner, you know, all will be well. I know it's, it's seems crazy right now, everything going on, on, we're like in a perfect storm. You got COVID, you got the racial tension with everything going on and it's just like a perfect storm, but everything, everything will work out. Love is gonna be triumphant and all will be well. Wise, wise words from a wise, wise woman. All will be well and absolutely love and the truth always triumph every time. So thank you so much, Latour. Wow, what juicy stories. I'm excited to read your book. I'm sure you'll <laughs> let me know as soon as you start writing it and when it's out and all the things and we can have another party on the podcast <laughs> to talk about it. And, um, and also thank you to the listeners. I am... Um, I feel like I'm just now starting to get my groove in this whole podcast thing. I mean, when I first started, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And now I'm starting to get, I call it educated on all the things. And so I'm looking forward to continuing to bring you just awesome stories like this and amazing humans doing sacred service in the world. So thank you for tuning in. If this moves you, inspires you, empowers you, allows you to have food for thought, please share it with at least one other person. And if you want to take it a step further, please go over to the old iTunes, leave me a review for the podcast. Why do you like it? And also let me know on my, on my website, uh, What do you love? What do you want to hear more of? And, um, I'll be sure to honor that. So keep taking those baby steps. Keep remembering that you are always supported and you have free will. So you got to ask your angels and whomever you believe in for the support. And, um, Keep taking great care of yourselves. And until next time, take care. Bye-bye.